Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. The Volume. Just a reminder, you can catch me recording this podcast live on AMP. AMP is a new live radio app that lets you call in and chat with me in person while recording. Get the app on Apple's App Store and make sure you follow me at John Middlecoff to get notified when I go live. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. That's me. That's the show. Subscribe wherever you may listen. 3 and Out all over the place. Uh, Here's the plan. We did a little rapid fire today. Some of the stories percolating around the league for the last 24 hours. We will hit on those. And uh, we're going to do a big mailbag. At John Middlecoff. At John Middlecoff is my Instagram account. Instagram DMs wide open. Fire in those DMs. Get your question answered on the show. Very, very easy to do. If you want to get a three and out hat, go to the volume.com. Check out the three and out merch. Uh, happy Labor Day to all you working folk out there. Keep on grinding. Enjoy You know, one of the last big weekends of the summer. We got college football on. Have a few brewskis. Enjoy the pool. Get ready for the NFL season right around the corner. And uh, we're going to have a lot of podcasts coming up because... Football season is back, baby. I'm I'm recording this right before Utah, Florida, Nebraska, Minnesota. Can't wait, baby. Uh, it's been a long time coming, but there's nothing. I, I love the summer, but there's nothing like the fall. There's nothing like the fall. So we, we will have you covered here all year round uh, going on with Coward, I think, for Monday's pod. And I'll have a bunch of pods next week. We'll obviously be reacting Thursday night to uh, my guy Andy and Veach. Going up against Dan Campbell, so it's uh, it's exciting. It's 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 hard. I sound like a kid at a candy store, kid on Christmas morning, because that's what we all are. We're football fans. We're lovers of sport, and it's back, baby. So let's rock and roll. I got to tell you really quick about my friends at Game Time. Go to your smartphone, download the official ticketing app of this podcast. They go by Game Time. They happen to be the fastest growing ticketing app in America. You're going to be watching college football all weekend long, and you're going to think to yourself, I want to go to one of these games. I want to go to an NFL game this fall. I want to go to an event. Well, I got you covered here at 3 and Out. When you go to the Game Time app, you sign up for your first pair of tickets, use the promo code JOHN, that's promo code JOHN, J-O-H-N, and get $20 off. In these inflationary times, I got you covered. Download the Game Time app, sign up for any pair of tickets. They got interactive maps, promo code JOHN, J-O-H-N, that's my name. Okay, let's go a little rapid fire. Uh, try to keep this in and out on, on some different topics as we head toward Labor Day. So all you hardworking individuals out there, I appreciate you. Uh, keep on grinding. Hopefully you guys enjoy the weekend. And uh, let's hit on some news really uh, of Thursday and, and some of the stuff I guess happened on Wednesday since I last talked to you. First and foremost, Chris Ballard. Uh, I, I think he was in a very, very difficult situation. Not that he would have had the answers, even if his owner, who, let's face it, is kind of a nut job, uh, hadn't got involved and made some statements. While factually correct, clearly were directed at creating some chaos with, as I was told by a buddy in the NFL, when this first started, Jonathan Taylor got a new agent and this agent likes getting dirty in the mud. He wants to make, you know, create a little chaos to get what he wants, and he's willing to do that. And clearly, he's talked his client into doing that as well. After Jonathan Taylor was the lone soldier to get off that phone call, who has no money to show for it. It was a bunch of rich guys telling a couple other guys who were you know, on the fence about their franchise tag. Both of them are now taken care of, are in camp and are rocking and rolling. And Jonathan Taylor is the only lingering situation of all the elite guys that don't have any money. Now, and Chris Ballard said this, right? Relationships in this business can be difficult. Because, and I watched his press conference, when you draft a player, I drafted you, I clearly like you, 
right? And especially the Colts who really value character. They value high-level guys, right? But there might come a time where we don't see eye to eye, and it's going to be you know, around money. So Jonathan Taylor lives in la-la land. Like, let's face it, him and his agent, disastrous, tac- disastrous tactics. It was honestly pretty embarrassing, right? They tried to use the media. No one was trading for you and paying you. And clearly, no one was trading a premium pick. And they weren't just, as Chris Ballard said, giving the player away. That was never going to happen. They weren't going to be like, you know what? This guy, this isn't going to work out. Just give us a third and a fourth. Take him. That doesn't make any sense. When that happens, usually at the trade deadline, it's because the team is just like punting on the contract. Well, Jonathan Taylor's contract is conducive to any team. Now, I love it when some of the reports were like, the Colts asked for Jalen Waddle back. They had no intention of trading him. None. Because they knew nobody was going to offer them a first-round pick. So you could offer, hey, we'll give you a third that could potentially turn into a two. That They were never going to do that. Now, they they kind of played to the ego of the agent. Like, oh, yeah, go seek a trade. Good luck. Godspeed. We're in this business. We know how it's going to go. It's going to come turn out crickets. And some of these reports of, like, the Eagles, Google the Eagles' history. Like They were never trading and paying for him. What's the point if you're Jonathan Taylor of getting traded and not getting paid, right? So I think a lot of these teams were interested in doing the trade without paying. But let's face it, where he sits right now, it's not in an ideal situation. For years when I worked you know, with the Eagles and in the pro scouting department before I went to you know, college, I was in free agency meetings. And the first thing you go over beside the player is injury history and playing time. Why did he miss X games? Why did he miss this many games that season? And you have a, you know, basically a program of information that you're constantly inputting. Now it's probably much more digitized and, and just, I would say, self-sufficient than at the time you had to have someone, you know, the lowest guys on the totem pole inputting injuries. Well, in the last 21 games, because Last year were 17 games, and he's gonna, we know, gonna miss the first four games this year because he's on pup. He'll have played in 11. And his value, like when you miss half the games, so he, he's gone through a stretch now of a year and a month where he's played in just about half the games. That's a major red flag. The number one advice I would give him and to his agent that clearly they're still dealing with some pain in the ankle, not ideal, get back on the field, play well. That's the only way to increase your value because your value right now, is you, you've heard it. One, with the injuries. Two, with the situation. And three, just MIA when the games are going on. In the NFL, you're paid to play games. <laughs> that's, that's the whole point of this entire business. Is it, The games pay for everything. It's how the players get paid by performing in the games. And when you don't play in them and you go through a stretch of 20 plus games and you've played in half, it's not good. It's not good. Now, I don't know, like, I do believe Chris Ballard when he says, like, I love this guy. I'm not trying to have some contentious relationship. And that's where the kooky owner throws a curveball and a wrench in the situation and made it worse. And everyone around the league knew it when he made those comments, even if they were factually correct. There's just no need for that. So this situation is going to be interesting to watch it play out. My number one question mark is like, when does this guy get back on the field? When does he prove he's a really good player? Because going into the season, think about some of the running backs. We have pretty high hopes for a lot of them. Saquon, expect a big season. Josh Jacobs, expect him to keep rolling. Christian McCaffrey, stud. Nick Chubb, baller. Like A lot of the guys that are being paid premiums, they're ready for week one. They're going to get a bunch of carries and throw in the ball a lot and produce. That's what they're paid to do. And we're going to look at the Colts, who, you know, probably we're going to be that good of a team, especially with a rookie quarterback who you know, might struggle to complete some passes, is going to be nowhere to be found. And, you know, he can pout all he wants. He can be mad all he wants. Like, bro, you got to get that ankle fixed. You got to get right. Because, wait, a team was going to trade for you? Were you going to pass a physical? Were you going to be ready to go week one? Or is it just an injury that impacts the Colts? Because if that's the case, like, not that every team acts like just because you are not happy with your situation if I were to get you, maybe you would turn happy. But that, that's a little bizarre. I mean, the situation has, I, I would say, obviously been out of left field for, you know, based on this player's history and his background and his character and just the way he's operated. 
And I, I'm not saying you're a bad character guy because you're fighting off money or fighting for more money. It's, it's big boy business that so you should fight. The only one who truly cares about you is you. I think sometimes the agents, they care about the player, but they're really, I mean, their motive is sometimes they can, you know, come out of left field because they, they really want to get the highest number possible to get themselves paid. But sometimes those numbers that they're shooting for are just beyond unrealistic and are going to create a problem that doesn't need to be there. So this situation jumped the shark a while ago. You could see the pain and agony on Ballard's face. Like, how did I get into this? And the reason you get into it, because when you work for an owner like this, the situation at any moment can, you know, instead of just be cruising down the freeway can just be, you know, a complete and utter pile up and crash. And then everyone in those, in that crash is on fire. And that's what it feels like in this situation. So uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch here in four weeks what happens. But he's got to get back on the field and he's got to prove that he's still an elite player. Otherwise, just people aren't going to be breaking the bank for, I don't know, a running back. That's not usually the way it works. I've been banging this table for a while. The Rams are screwed. I I think they are going to be so bad this year. And Sean McVay announced today that Cooper Cup is still dealing with the hamstring injury and it's still day to day, day to day. He's not really in great shape. Not that he's not in great shape, but he's not in great shape in terms of being healthy and ready to roll. So I went to ESPN.com and I clicked on the Rams. I'm like, what are their first couple games? They open at Seattle. Then they play the 49ers. Then they play the Bengals. They are staring 0-3 in the face. Then they get the Colts, but if the Rams aren't good, playing random teams doesn't mean they're any means to be a lock, especially on the road. And then they play the Eagles. So the opening of their schedule, you could look up and they could be one and four before you even blink. And if shit really hits the fan, oh, and five is on the table. I would say best case scenario would be two and three. This team to me has always been a powder keg just because they're paying so much money to three guys. And one of the three of them is injured with a soft tissue injury. It's very, very difficult sometimes to overcome those hamstring injuries. We've seen it for years with skill guys because they have to open their gate and let it rip. This is a guy whose game is predicated on explosion and quickness to get open. It's what made him two years ago. I mean, have one of the great seasons we've ever seen And Stafford, who currently is healthy and can't figure out anyone's name on his own team. Don't totally blame him. Uh, we, we talked about the situation with the phones, but I just, I, I actually have less faith that Stafford's going to play in more games than Cooper Cup. And I don't care if Aaron Donald goes 2019 version of himself. Like it, it's very, very difficult if the rest of the guys around you stink. You, you could have Reggie White in his prime. If the other 10 guys look like me or you, you're not going to hold the other team to many points. I don't care how much Reggie White, you know, Lawrence Taylor, uh, Ray Lewis is making play after play for you. You can only do so much as an individual. Part of being a really good defense is having countless guys at every level. And I don't see it. I I think the Rams, I I think you're looking at a four win team. A headline that I saw that I I think this guy, it's weird. Like I I haven't talked much about this player. Uh, the situation a couple of years ago, I, I was completely just uncomfortable with, right? And I always am uncomfortable with allegations. He said, she said, like no one knows except those two pe- people. But one thing that was de- not deniable, and I, I would imagine a lot of people listening to this have gotten massages before. Uh, some of you, you know, might have got, I don't know what kind of massage you've gotten. It was the number of massages and therapists that this guy was going to. It was, it's one of the biggest red flags I can remember. So I'm not trying to act like I know what happened on all of these massage tables, but I knew something was a little off. That is not the, you can't even argue that it is not debatable that Deshaun Watson proved to be a red flag. Even if he's not guilty of what they were alleging he was guilty on. Like, bro, what are you doing going to 75 massage therapists in the state of Texas? Can't you just find one that knows what she's doing? Well, of course you can't because we kind of knew, you know, I I get what you're doing there, bro. He gets traded. He gets $230 million. Well, last year they fudged the salary cap because they knew he was going to get suspended and they gave him $1 million, meaning 
They owe him $229 million. He was named captain today. One of the, most of these teams have five to seven captains. Now, my question is this. Are you going to be any good? Or are you just going to be the guy that had all the massage therapist issues? And somehow your girlfriend at the time like stuck with you? Probably a little easier when you get the $230 million coming your way. Uh, Most women I know probably would have left after those uh, situations. But... Because it wasn't like, I didn't do it. It was just like, it was consensual. So it's like, wait, you were doing, you know, it is what it is. But he's named team captain. And uh, I, I just think there's a lot of pressure on this guy. $229 million. Every penny's guaranteed. That's what they owe the guy. I mean, this, this feels like an NBA deal, right? In an NBA deal, it's one thing when you sign the Giannis's and the Jokic's and the LeBron's and the Curry's. You're like, listen, the only way this deal is not working if they have a major injury. If they're, if they're playing, we feel fantastic. But then the NBA, they're all this like second tier guys. Do you start paying enormous amount of money? It's like, wait, I got to give Jalen Brown $300 million. Like the guy. Can't, can't we give him like 140? It's like, no, the max is the max. It's like, well, he can't dribble. He's a good, really good player. I want to keep him. Cool with paying him like 30 million. No, you got to pay him like $65 million a year. You're like what? <laughs> and that's what it, this one feels like to me. Because even if he's good, I don't know if he's ever living up to the contract, but at least if he's good, they will be a functional franchise. I, I just think the pressure on him is beyond immense. And they start by playing divisional opponents. I think by week two, they're Monday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're all going to be watching that bad boy. Their coach is clearly on the hot seat. Their team is really talented around them. But that contract, it's weird, right? This guy went healthy a couple years ago, was a really good player. But the way every single human universally talks about this contract, and rightfully so, is like, that's a terrible deal, right? So how's he ever going to be a top five quarterback? If he can just get back in the top 10, I mean, obviously last year, he was one of the worst players in the league. Uh, watched him a little in the preseason, uh, just read, you know, following some of the preseason hype. Or you're just, you know, their stories around the Browns. For some reason, I the athletic funnels me a lot of their stories. I don't know what to think. I, I, I would probably short the Browns. Uh, because of the head coach and just because I I don't know if you ever shake what happened a couple years ago. Uh, some have, uh, but but many have not. Obviously not that individual situation. I, I just, I think this could get weird. I, I would, and part of it's the franchise, part of it's who they are, part of it's the lack of stability with the coach. Uh, part of it, I think, is did, did the coach and GM ultimately want this player? Obviously, Deshaun Watson is better than Baker Mayfield, but were they behind the money, the trade? Like that's an owner thing. That's you know flying Jay, uh, Jimmy has who you know you could argue is one of the worst owners in the league. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I've been saying this for a while. Is I, I think the league, if they could, would get rid of Michael Bidwell so fast, it, it would make your head spin. They want no part of this guy owning the team. They're currently in embarrassment. All the NFLPA uh, stories last year when they did the uh, the polling or whatever around the league, 
and the information coming out that he was charging them to go boxes, charging your own players to go boxes. Like he's my entire life. Uh, I remember being a kid when the Niners were really good in like the Eddie DeBartolo days. I mean, they were such a laughing stock. They were the equivalent of like the Oakland A's, uh, but never won like with Billy Bean. But they were like that in terms of being cheap. They were they were just a joke. They, they, they were a complete embarrassment. And they've had some moments with Kime, with Arians, um, a couple years ago when they started whatever, eight, nine, and one with uh, with Kyler. But they're currently an embarrassment again. Obviously, they're going to be really bad. I talked about this the other day. I have no problem with them cutting Colt McCoy. I would have done that as well. He, he's a 37-year-old guy who's barely played in the NFL for the last decade. People are acting like they cut Peyton Manning. But Steve Wilkes the other day, if you remember, they had an executive, uh, McDonough, who, who sued the team and basically said wrongful termination, but was coming at. Said, like, I know where some bodies are buried. Some shady shit happened. And one of the things that he, in the lawsuit, had said is that when they suspended Steve Kime, remember, you got the Dewey in, in Scottsdale. You, you can't have any contact. You have to go away. I, I don't know. I forget what it was. Five games, four games, eight games, whatever his suspension was. Well, one of the things Steve Wilkes, who was the coach at the time, remember, he was a one and done guy. It was the Josh Rosen year, said like, I don't know if it was under oath. I mean, he's not in front of like, uh, you know, the Supreme Court here, but clearly through arbitration or whatever, through the league said that not only did the owner say that to continue to have contact with Steve Kine, gave him like a bat phone. And one of the things Steve Wilkes was saying is like, this is my first year as a head coach. It's taken me so long to get this opportunity. I was very uncomfortable with the whole situation. Now, it's not like he originally ratted on him, right? Stitches get stitches. But he definitely was not hesitant to tell the truth here. And uh, people, I've seen a lot online like, oh, they're going to strip them of draft picks. I think this is their opening to get rid of this guy because I live here now. I'm telling you, this area reminds me a lot of California 20 plus years ago. The the amount of money and companies that are going to flow here on the West Coast, hell, you know, affordability, it used to be much more affordable. It's getting more and more expensive by the day because the amount of people moving here, this place is just going to turn in. It already is just a complete cash cow. And this, the upside for the league to be in this market and how underwhelming it is with this individual, if... If the Phoenix Suns could sell for four billion, I think this team. I thought it was crazy that the Washington Football Team. I mean, how'd that thing not sell for ten? You can't convince me if the Phoenix Suns can go for four, this team can't go for eight. Not in this market with the amount of money here, with the amount of just people that want to live here. Uh, in terms of free agency, th- this would be one of the more desired places for ownership. And to think that the league is only going to go after, like, I'll just strip them up a first round pick. I, I think they're going to try to end this guy. I've been saying forever. The two places that the league would love to put in new powerful owners would be the desert. And that's Arizona and that's Vegas. And I saw a report today of the amount of money the Raiders are making because of their move. Of course they are. Oakland's an all-time dump. They've had three teams leave that place in a five-year span, right? I mean, the A's haven't officially left, but they're going to. You can't do business there. So you go to a place like Vegas, you're immediately going to make more money and especially get out of the 49ers umbrella. Just because you're you know, making money because you go to a place that's much more profitable doesn't mean that the guy in charge knows what he's doing or the league wants him there. And there was a visual last week because Tom Brady, I don't know the percentage, but now has you know Mark Davis gave him a little piece of the pie. I don't know if Tom would ever have enough money right? to... I mean, what are the Raiders worth now in Vegas? Like the Cardinals, $7, 8000000000 billion? Hell, I think if you just said, hey, the Vegas Raiders are for sale, open bidding. Now, the problem is there are only so many human beings that have the means to buy a team. So it's not like every you know swing and dick can make an offer. But I, I do think you get $10 billion. No state income tax, the strip. It, it's just, I, it, you get eight in Arizona, 10 there. Now, I don't know if that's what it would sell for. But Tom doesn't have $10 billion, doesn't have $8 billion. But I think they would love to get new ownership in both places. Um, and that's not just, that's an educated guess. That's, that's me knowing some things. Uh, now, I'm not saying that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, clearly, Mark in the league office didn't quite see eye to eye on all the Gruden stuff. 
We'll see what happens with the Gruden takedown of the league office. But I definitely think this Bidwell situation with Kime and the bad phones, that's their opening. That's their opening, and, and I would I would expect them to take it. Uh, and the Pats. Uh, a couple days ago, they cut all the quarterbacks. And I I said at the time, like, I wasn't going to... It was hard to have a take because it was, we have to wait to see who they would claim. We have to wait, like, are they cutting these guys? They brought them both back. So wouldn't you just... If you keep the guy on your active roster or or you get the guy to your practice squad, you would keep you put him on the practice squad so you keep other guys in your active roster. I was like, you know, I was going to be critical of Bill and then I was like, ah, actually kind of a genius move. Now, you couldn't go into week 1 against the Eagles with only one quarterback. Like you would have to activate one of those guys. So, it's it's kind of fudging the books a little bit. But today they officially claim Matt Corral who, you know, Bill O'Brien would have had a front row seat a couple years ago when he had his best year for Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss when when Bill was at Alabama. So he would have pretty extensive scouting reports from his days at Alabama. Uh, obviously, Bill is very tight with Saban, who would have been a huge part of the defensive game plan against Matt Corral. I'm sure they clearly scouted him coming out of college. But, uh, but yeah, so the Pats now officially have at least as of recording this, maybe they will get rid of uh, either Bailey Zappi or Cunningham. Now, Cunningham's kind of a hybrid, so it would, Bailey Zappi is a true quarterback. Like That's the only position he could play. But the Pats have two quarterbacks now. Mac Jones, Mac Corral, loading up on uh, SEC players. And then just a couple other little things before we get out of here. This is pretty concerning, man. This is a big year for Chase Young. Obviously, it's the last year of his contract. I guess I, I now like I watched their first preseason game, but he had a stinger in that game, and he has not been clear for contact since. So this is a guy who's dealt with you know the knee injury, didn't get right, and now he's got the stinger operation. Uh, I, I don't think he was ever, best case scenario, going to be Miles Garrett or Nick Bosa or that level of player, but I thought he was going to be a pretty good player. You know, Much more power-based, kind of like a poor man's version of, of Khalil Mack. But it's his career's not going well, and it, obviously a huge reason for that right now is the injury. So the stingers, the knees, uh, it, it just feels like a career that's not materializing because his body's letting him down. TJ Hawkinson, who remember last year was traded to the Vikings, had been wanting an enormous contract. Whenever a contract breaks, you don't, you know, you can tell me it's $70 million, but who knows how much is guaranteed. The best part, I actually think there's a money ball element of this. When you get sweet linebackers, when you get sweet safeties, when you get sweet tight ends, even running backs, because if I get George Kittle or Hawkinson or Kelsey or Christian McCaffrey or Fred Warner or Luke Keekley or whoever, the amount of money I actually have to pay them relative to tackles and defensive linemen and quarterbacks and wide receivers is dramatically less. And the amount I have to guarantee them is way less. So I actually think there's value. And I said this a while back with my thought on tight ends in the draft. If you hit on them, it's a double whammy. You get them on their rookie contract, which isn't that much. So if it's like a Kincaid with the Bills or Mayer with the Raiders, and then if that guy hits and becomes a Pro Bowl level player, the amount you have to pay him relative to star tackles, star quarterbacks, star defensive linemen is dramatically less. It's why I think the Chiefs are in this conundrum of Chris Jones wants all this money. They know they need Chris Jones, but they're one of their best players, Travis Kelsey, just doesn't make any. Now, part of that is because he's given them discounts because he loves playing there. But still, when you start paying Chris Jones two and a half, three X what you're paying Travis Kelsey, that does open the door for potential problems just in the locker room. Like we're all, let's face it, men judge ourselves, a lot of us at least, not every single one, on money, right? And that's how we equate success or failure, and especially relative to our peers in our industry, right? And what makes pro sports way more unique than most things we all do is we know exactly how much the guy to the left and the guy to the right of us makes, right? Every single human, whether you're a player or whether you're just a fan, you can Google how much everyone's making. You walk into work tomorrow, you might have an idea, but if you're not the guy, you know, cutting the checks, you don't really know. And people can always lie to you. Like, you know exactly how much if you're Travis Kelsey, everyone on your team makes. And I don't even need a printout from Brett Beach. I just go home and, you know, type into spot track into my computer, the Chiefs, the Chiefs roster. So I, I do think it's a, uh, 
it's a slippery slope when you have locker room dynamics and paying some people and not paying others. And this is the issue with the running backs. It's like the market's the market. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, and last but not least, one thing that changed when I was in the NFL, being on the practice squad, a lot of it was age based. There, it was a little like a red shirt in college where, you know, I, I think the rule and that rules changed as well, too. When I was at Fresno State, you could play up to like three games as on any given year and still redshirt, or maybe it was a percentage of snaps, but you, you couldn't get past a thir- certain threshold in, to, to keep a redshirt year. It was no different with practice squad. And it used to be, when I was in the NFL, if you played in like a couple regular season games, your practice squad eligibility was shot. And it screwed so many young people, right? Because they would be on bad teams, or there were injuries, and then they would play, but they actually probably shouldn't have been playing. They should have been you know, on a practice squad or essentially redshirting that year and improving. And then they would get to a point where they actually weren't good enough. They w- couldn't make an active roster, but they had lost practice squad eligibility. And then they were just out of the league. That happened all the time. Well, now when you look around the NFL, there are a ton of older players who are like, oh, Willie Sneed, Melvin Gordon. I mean, those are just a couple names that come to my mind. Whoever is listening to this, I bet your team has a veteran or two on their practice squad. And that, to me, is a a really good move by the league, that there should be no requirements to be on the practice squad. If I want to keep Tom Bali or Jason Peters on my practice squad and they're 40 years old, I should be able to do that. Obviously, I don't have to pay them as much, but that should be allowed. And that clearly is allowed, at least to my knowledge. I'd have to ask like someone in the league. I don't think there are any requirements on like I can have older players. Maybe there is, but in terms of the amount of them, but clearly you're allowed to have some. And I think that's a smart move. And I think that's really beneficial to young players, right? Who might get a shot early, it not go well. And they're, they're really more, more suited for the practice squad. And they're not going to be able to make teams 53. It keeps their careers alive. And who knows, maybe in a couple of years, they're able to go on to have like a seven year, you know, 53 man career. Cause that's the goal, right? You, you want to play. Right, being on practice squad is cool. If you're 22 seventh round pick, you're making 200 grand a year. But after a year or two, like you want to make the big squad, you want to make 800, 900 grand with a chance to get on the field, prove your worth, and who knows, maybe you become a you know functional starter in the NFL for seven eight years. So there's a big big line. But uh, I I think the league made a really really smart decision with lessening those requirements to get on the practice squad. Okay, let's dive into the mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. That's just my name. Fire in those DMs. Get your question answered here on the show. Couple quick things to address. A lot of feedback of people talking shit about the Patriot fan who claimed if it's cool to leave and change teams, basically like you don't get to go through that 20-year period. And then after a couple years, when the sea gets a little bumpy, you know, change the boat. Like, you got to write it out. And I I think we're all in agreement there. The other thing is, I I appreciate a lot of you guys hitting me up about, like, why don't you fill in when Colin leaves? I I don't work for Fox. I'm just just a podcaster here. So there's no, it's not even an option. Uh, I I don't work. So when you turn on television and Colin's on vacation, like, it's people that work for the company. I I work for Colin, the volume, separate entities. So it's it's not an option. I, I appreciate, and I've been getting a lot of that for years. I greatly appreciate that, uh, but it's not. It's they're separate entities. Okay, Jake, massive fan of the pod. It's my daily listen on the way to and from work. Big week for you, working man. Labor Day, enjoy it. We've heard a lot about rookie quarterbacks, receivers, and running backs, but who do you think will take the crown for best rookie tight end? Seems like this year is super saturated with rookie tight ends but I feel like I haven't heard most of these guys. Well, historically, I think rookie tight ends don't exactly dominate. It usually takes a year. But I would say, look at the guys in good situations. You would say the dude, Utah kid, uh, Kincaid in Buffalo, pretty good situation. Last I checked, (laughs) Josh Allen's pretty good. I would say you look at Mayer, who was viewed as like a top 20 pick and then the Raiders get him whatever early in the second round. Jimmy Garoppolo is pretty comfortable playing with tight ends was around him in new England. 
obviously had Kittle forever in San Francisco. Uh, I, I would expect Josh McDaniels likes using the tight end. That would be a name that I would keep an eye on. Hey, John, huge fan of the show. You noted in your last pod, Taylor Leverage, that you were going to break down each 53-man roster, but thought it would take too long. Would love to hear your thoughts on each one. Yeah, it was a complete joke. Because one thing I have a lot of respect for is there is no way humanly possible. When I was working in the league 18 hours a day as a pro scout, to have a feel for every team and every player, like we all can talk about all the big name players, but to understand the average like center and guard on a lot of teams, let alone the two deep, I, I don't know. And one thing we do here, I, I don't, I'm not pretending anything. I just talk about what I know, give my opinions on what I see. But it would be pretty disingenuous, the wrong way to even put it. It would be bullshit. Like, I, I couldn't tell you about the Titans roster. Right, I mean, really, past like the top ten guys, or the Texans, or or some of these the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? We t- we play the hits here. We talk a lot of coaches, a lot of quarterbacks, the big stuff. I, I don't I don't get too into the weeds that way. One, I don't have the time. Two, I think it's borderline impossible. And three, I think it would be a little boring. But I appreciate you wanting that. Question for the pod: I heard you talking about players always changing teams. And it got me thinking about a clip I heard Joel Klatt talking about the Colorado O-lineman that transferred after watching his coach die on the sidelines wanting a second transfer, and I'd like to hear your take. I just saw the headline about Deion Sanders being mad and crushing the NCAA, which I, I never am opposed to. And I hate... I, I typically... Uh, my initial reaction when the group think all agrees on something, I, I tend to hang a right instead of following, right? But the NCAA and just the bureaucracy of these people that don't bring any value, I, I've always been in agreement there. Now, I didn't know the details of that story till I, I, I'm with you. I also saw the video of Joel Klatt talking about the offensive lineman. I, I think he started at not Louisiana Tech, but Louisiana Lafayette and whoever his assistant coach was that was his mentor, had a heart attack and died on the field. Uh, I can't even, it was like the second father in his life, right? So I, uh, that to me, and then he went to Jackson State. I don't know all the details of it, but I'm, it sound, Joe Klatt sold me. Uh, I, I just think a lot of these people make these decisions and there's never any accountability. I, I saw it when I lived in California forever. There were all these committees all over the place and these decisions are made and then they fail and no one it just no one takes any blame. That's it's why us people that work in the private sector have nothing in common with the bureaucracy of a lot of shit. Because it's like that's not how our world works. We either produce or we get replaced. We either produce or we go under. If we make a mistake, it's clear it's on us. And in these situations, like, oh, it's like, yeah, we're not going to pass it. Well, why? Can you explain that to me? Can you figure that out? Anyone who's ever had to deal with an HOA not allowing you to do something. Well, it's like, well, hey, there's precedent in this neighborhood. Why can't I do this? Well, because, because why? I'm a big, like, I'm very black and white. This either works or it doesn't. I'm not a huge gray area guy, right? I I don't like, well, this could, no, fuck that. And uh, I, I think this is pretty stupid. Because their rule, they don't even have set rules anymore. I saw Jim Harbaugh said, like, the, the status quo is unacceptable. He's not wrong. This is just so played out, all this stuff. The guy can't go from Jackson State to Colorado. Who cares? Honestly, who does it? Who does it impact? I've been saying this forever. I don't understand how the NCAA is going to survive. Why does Ohio State, why does Michigan, why does Alabama, why, does El- why do they need them anymore? What do they bring to the table? And I don't even know all the details, but I don't even need to. I I remember when I worked at Fresno State, which obviously is not on the level of any of the Power 5 programs, but they they were one of the first non-Power 5 programs. You know, Pat Hill was one of the first million-dollar coaches at that level. And I just remember seeing all these administrators. Like, what do you do? I understand the guy that raises the money, like the, the head... The head guy that goes with all the boosters and is driving revenue. Like that guy's important. But like, what do all these other administrators do? And at the time, like I I obviously wasn't allowed to say that. But I I never forget going to these town hall meetings and seeing all these people 
Like this person makes at the time like 100 grand. This person makes 150. I mean, now some of these people at some of these bigger programs, who knows how much they're making? What are they doing? Right? What are they doing? Like you go to a football practice in college, like everyone has a role. That the quarterback coach is earning his money or he's going to get fired. The head coach, the head recruiter, all that stuff. Like what are all these administrators doing? What are all these people in the NCAA offices doing on a daily basis? Like what the hell are you accomplishing? And I think we all know the answer. Not much. Longtime listener, first time mailbagger. Lifelong cheese fan. I have two concerns for them. One long term and one short term. <laughs> this is, you know what's crazy? When you get to become like Apple or Google or Costco, you still get to nitpick, even though it's like we're kicking it everyone's ass. Like, I don't know how old you are, Matt. Your life as a Chiefs fan these last since Mahomes has never been better. But you know the best part about being a sports fan? is like you're still allowed to complain, right? It's You shouldn't be able to complain because if I would have told you when Scott Pioli was leaving the Snickers bar wrapper at the bottom of the stairwell that this would one day be your life, you would have been like, this is all worth it. I'll never complain again. But we're fans. You know, we're, we're into this. <laughs> you're, you're, you're allowed to complain. In the long term, should the Chiefs try and draft a quarterback in the next year or two? They are running with Gabbert, and I feel like that's a downgrade from Henny last year. If Mahomes goes down, I know we are screwed. It's likely they won't be drafting high anytime soon, so possibly picking up a good project quarterback and having them learn behind Patrick might not be a bad idea. Second, what will it take for them to address not having a star wide receiver? To me, this year's group is one of the least talented in the last few years. They really need to have someone that's a deep threat to complement Kelsey in the middle of the field. They are solid on running backs and have a great O-line. I just feel like they are lacking in the wide receiver department. Well, I think they're going to be very dependent on Sky Moore. Uh, Obviously, the Ross kid has been a person I've read a lot about uh, during training camp. They're clearly pretty high on him. Kelsey, they need to maintain his health as well as Isaiah Pacheco coming back. And I, I think if you go back to some of Andy's fantastic teams in Philly with Donovan McNabb, they had awesome running backs. They had like Chad Lewis and their wide receivers were kind of random and they had a sweet D. So he's won this way before. You know, they, they, they only won one Super Bowl with Tyreek Hill. I, I'm not saying if you put Tyreek Hill on this team and Chris Jones came back, they would be, I mean, honestly, they might be minus odds to win the Super Bowl. But I, I I'd, listen, I, I'd be, I'd feel pretty good about where you guys are. Question for the pod. If Arizona is as bad as everyone says, they're going to be end up being the number one overall pick. What do you think will make a trade for Kyler Murray? He's got a huge contract and a lot of questions. One thing we've learned in the history of sports, even as things get weird, someone will be willing to trade for. Someone will be willing to trade for. It's a quarterback starve league. Think of some of the quarterbacks starting this year, week one. I mean, Baker Mayfield starting. Uh, trying to think of some other crappy teams. Desmond Ritter starting. There are a lot of questionable quarterbacks starting in the NFL. So I, I think they could trade Kyler Murray. It'd be complicated. I don't, I, I'm not a you know salary cap wizard. I don't know all the cap ramifications. There clearly would be some. But if he's healthy, they could trade him. I don't know for how much. I'm not saying they're going to get a haul back, but I do think they could unload him which I, I think if you watch the way they're operating, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I would say Kyler Murray's not long for the Cardinals. Is Carson Wentz even being a backup worthy at this point? Or is his personality and attitude too toxic to the point that his career is done? He has the skills to be a good quarterback and has shown it, but this dude's mind is fucked. I, I, I thought I read a headline a while back. I wonder if the Chiefs would kick the tires on bringing him in try to rehab some of his value, give them a guy that if Mahomes did like roll an ankle or hurt his shoulder and was out a couple weeks or a month, they could win some games with. Uh, I, I do think, you know, perception can become reality, right? You can never meet a human being, whether it's a famous person, whether it's someone in your industry, whether it's someone's boyfriend. And you start hearing things, good or bad, that shapes the way you think about it. And then you meet the dude, you're like, God, I kind of like this fucking guy. Or vice versa. 
you've heard forever like this dude's man, this guy's a stud. And then you meet him and your interaction's not great. So I, I think you got to be careful with that. It's why so often in the NFL, teams are willing to give guys second and third opportunities. Obviously, it usually is about talent, but two, it's like, well, let us talk to him. Let us bring the guy in on a visit, whether it's a draft pick or a free agent. Let us interact with the guy. Maybe it was the other people's fault. Now, this one, clearly Wentz is guilty of some stuff, right, in terms of getting along with people, being coachable. But if I was a betting man, someone, Carson Wentz will play in the NFL this year. If you just said, hey, $1,000 right now, Carson Wentz, one-to-one odds, so I'd win 1000 bucks. Yes or no? Does Carson Wentz play for a team? Now, I don't mean it. He might not get in a game, but does a team sign Carson Wentz during the 2023 football season? I would not hesitate putting it on yes. Now, we're a couple years away. If he's gone for a little while, I'll put it on no. But one, I'm putting it on yes. Now, that might not happen. Still Injuries, week eight. I, I don't know the timeline, but I feel pretty confident just the history of my sports fandom and watching how shit plays out he will get an opportunity to be on an NFL roster this year. Might be a minute. Might not be to Halloween or something. But, I mean, the Niners said last year they were going to call Phillip Rivers. So, obviously, Phillip Rivers is a higher character guy. No issues. But physically, he's way shittier than Carson Wentz. A Patriot fan wants to jump ship after a couple mediocre, not even bad years. Brother, you won six Super Bowls in the span of time. It took me to witness my first playoff win. Bengals fan. Yeah, I, I hear you. you, that, you, you that guy talking about jumping ship just wants you to know, I, I clearly can't read them all. You're getting crushed. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Hey John, hope all is well. I'm messaging you from my art account. My boyfriend and I listened to both of your pods. We wanted to know what you think the 49ers would be like if they tried to call Andrew Luck out of retirement instead of trading all those picks for Trey Lance. The problem was, this art account has a pretty big following, is Andrew Luck's not available that way. Andrew Luck, the the Colts have his rights. So just because you retire doesn't mean you're just floating in the wind and a free agent. So in theory, if Andrew Luck was available and healthy, obviously they would be, I mean, Trey Lance is even on the team. So to have Andrew Luck and to have the picks, it would be a massive benefit and they would be awesome. Hell, they might have won like two Super Bowls. But that scenario is is not plausible. It's literally impossible. Because if he did return, the Colts would keep him. Maybe not now with Anthony Richardson, but two years ago, they would not have traded him. 
Been listening to the podcast for a couple of years. Question for the pod. If you were GM and had to choose one non-quarterback to start your franchise with, who would it be? Uh, I, I would go with the defensive lineman. I would probably, I mean, just given age, I'd go with Bosa and Micah Parsons. You know, Chris Jones a little older. Obviously, Donald's over 30. Uh, Miles Garrett now, he's got to be a little older too. It, it just be, it'd be a pass rusher. And I, I think right now it'd have to be Micah Parsons or Nick Bosa. Miles Garrett's 27 years old. I mean, Nick's probably similar age too, actually. Nick Bosa's 25. I mean, Micah's probably 24. I think it'd be one of those guys. I'd say TJ. I mean, I love TJ Watt too, but I typed in Micah. <laughs> I typed in Micah Bosa. That's who I'd. I, that's who I'd start with. Micah Bosa. Could I start with Micah Bosa? Uh, but yeah, it, it would be. It would be a pass rusher. Honestly, it wouldn't even has like it. I wouldn't even think twice. I would take. I would start with a pass rusher before an offensive lineman. Hi, John. Love the pod. I'm sure you're sick of talking about Lance. But do you see how the Niners have handled the whole thing having a negative effect on the Niners locker room? I think it's the opposite. This is why I've supported them through this situation. I don't think the players, and I got news for you, I kind of know, they don't care about Trey Lance. Not as a person, they like the guy. They don't think he's any good. If they thought he was good, the Niners never would have made this move. They make a lot of moves based on like Kyle is very, very close with his core guys. Trent, Kittle, Juszczyk, Debo, Fred Warner, Eric Armstead. Those guys didn't think Trey Lance was good. If they had and he had done this, yeah, I, I think it would cause some problems. But I promise you, they don't. They think Purdy is dramatically better. And listen, we can say what we want. Those guys are at practice all, every day. They see it. So if if... My star players don't think another guy's good, and I don't think another guy's good. You can it's pretty easy to make a move and have everyone be in agreement. Like no one with the 49ers, none of the players are disagreeing with the trade. None of them. I'll promise you that. I love the pod. Took a while to listen on your feed, but I'm here. No question or anything. But as a real lifelong Patriot fan, I wish you would have told that guy to fuck off. <laughs> there are a lot of people pissed off. We don't need him rooting for the team. Year one, Mac playoffs. Patricia's OC didn't work. Even the year with Cam was not as bad at all. Slightly missed the playoffs, even though we almost beat Buffalo if it wasn't for that Cam fumble. Excuse my language, but he can F off. That's the definition of bandwagon. The biggest fan bases, I struggle with this one. The biggest fan bases are bandwagon fans. Right? The reason the Yankees and the Lakers and the Cowboys have the most fans is because they have a lot of bandwagon fans. Like a lot of, and when I say bandwagon, casual. But the Patriots, over a 20-year span, they added some of those, but really they were, they were closer to like, I would say wrestling, like a bad guy. They, they felt much more like Hogan and those guys when they went to NWO, like when I was a kid. It was like, God, these guys are, this is crazy. Kevin Nash and Razor Ramon, and they were just bad guys. Or like when LeBron went to Miami. They, they, the thing, and I would say this, a, a person a long time ago uh, brought this up, and he, he's so right. In the business I'm in, it's, it's okay to be hated. It's okay to have people despise you. Obviously, you want people to like you, but if they despise you, like a lot of people hate listen. You never want anyone to be like, yeah, that kind of ap- apathy I, I'm apathetic toward that individual. I have zero emotion toward that individual, right? Because then you don't care. In sports, like I want you to hate or like the team, but as long as you're paying attention. And I think that's what the Patriots were. So they probably got some bandwagony fans. But when you win that many games and that many Super Bowls and consistently in the AFC Championship that often, you get, even if Belichick is fired at the end of the season, which I do think is on the table, if they have a bad year, he's the best thing that ever happened in New England. I think all you guys would agree. And I'm not saying I necessarily would fire him, but I do understand, like, if you don't see eye to eye and his personality, he's grumpy and the team's not doing well, like, it might just be time for a new start. It's sports. It's the way it works. 
Open an IG account just to DM you. Love the show. I think the Lance trade has an angle that's being overlooked. The Niners kicked the Cowboys from the playoffs the last two seasons. If I'm Jerry and I can tilt the odds in my favor by grabbing someone who is familiar with Shanahan's team for a fourth-round pick, that's well worth the cost of an overpriced scout team quarterback that most likely never starts a game for Dallas. I think there are angles here. We've talked so much about the money, the trade. I think there are two angles that I don't think I've discussed definitely is I do think, now I don't think he's a great athlete and definitely not as good of an athlete as Jalen Hurts, but he can play Jalen Hurts in practice. So would you pay a fourth round pick and several million dollars if it means over the next two years beating the Eagles a couple times and winning the division? If he can replicate and just give you a better look than Cooper Rush in practice to play Jalen Hurts and maybe even Daniel Jones as well? You know, I I think when it comes to the knowledge, I think sometimes that can be a little overrated or it happened a lot more in the NFL. Because he's only started four games. Now he sat in these game plans and he definitely knows the way they want to attack the Cowboys because two years ago he was the backup quarterback for Jimmy and last year while he had a broken ankle, he was going to all the meetings with Brock Purdy. So... Yeah, I mean, I I, I, de- I definitely think that's an addition. I think the practicing as Jalen Hurts, and obviously, you know, they're taking a flyer. They're hoping they can strike oil here. But I, I think there is some valid, uh, with your take, some validity with your take that bring them in to just g- give an extra percent addition. Hey, you know, when you guys do this on defense, Kyle, you guys don't quite realize, but this is what we were doing. And if that's one tweak to help Dan Quinn, that's a big deal. What do you think of Skip Bayless? I'd be lying if I said I watch him, right? I mean, I see him a lot because of clips on Twitter or Instagram, but I've never watched Undisputed. I don't watch First Take when he was on it with Stephen A. So for me to have a real opinion that wasn't just based on a clip, it would be, I'd be lying to you. Now, I do respect this is I've always had a theory that a lot of big J's, they almost have this resentment. You know, a lot of them all obviously are all politically left-leaning, very like anti-big business, but they all cover people that make dramatically more money than they do. And there's this weird dynamic that way. And then when people in their industry, and, and typically like a lot of the writers didn't make that much money relative to like a radio host or a guy on TV. It's why they have historically talked a lot of shit about those individuals. I've always thought they there's a little resentment because those people in in their mind have an easier job even though they're generating way more revenue. It's why they get paid more. It's basic economics. But they look down upon them. And Skip, like Stephen A, were writers that pivoted early. Now, you can say he's got a shtick, which he clearly does, and he says some outrageous things, but he made a pretty good business move and he's made a boatload of money talking about sports on TV because that's where the consumer goes or at least more than they do read the newspaper, which I can't tell you the last time I read a newspaper. Couldn't pay me to read a newspaper, right? In terms of like a sports section. I I read The Athletic uh, and a reason they have some success because they stole a lot of the good newspaper writers that write on their site. But I, I, I respect his hustle even if it's not really my cup of tea, him and Stephen A., they're clearly good at what they do. I, I think St- I like Stephen A. much more. And again, I, I'm basing this all off clips. I don't watch either of their shows. I think Stephen's more entertaining. I don't quite find Skip that entertaining. Clearly people do. And clearly networks do. And I, you give them credit. Like I'm a businessman. So I, I would never just write forever if I was making no money and just be bitter about it. I, I don't really operate that way. I, I would make a change. And clearly a lot of guys did. And some guys didn't. And there's like this resentment in the sports media world that way. Like I got no resentment towards Skip. If anything, I fucking I respect his hustle. <laughs> you know, that's what this world is. Now, if you want to think he's a phony, if you think he just makes things up and just doesn't even believe what he says, yeah, I okay, I can I can hear that. There, there's also an entertainment trolling element of what he does. No different than Stephen A. making fun of the Cowboys. We're all in the entertainment business. We're, we're not like. 
I, I'm not I'm not only not a journalist, I don't even consider myself a media member. Right? I don't even know what you would consider Skip. He just talks on television about sports. Some people clearly like him, some people hate him, but uh so I don't know if that's if I if I answered your question there perfectly. Love the pod. Why do we continually bring up Pro Bowls made? Isn't an all pro the real honor? Any truth to the rumor that Stephen A is teaming up with Coward? The volume question. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Not privy to those discussions. I, you know, they get Shay Shay. So I, maybe Stephen A's coming next. I'm all for it. Uh, I would say on the Pro Bowls, I, I still think like a valid Pro Bowl is a valid Pro Bowl. Like if you call Justin Jefferson or Micah Parsons a Pro Bowler, like that's a Pro Bowler. Like AJ Brown. You know, I think the problem is it's been so diluted because all these random guys make it because people back out. So, I, I still don't mind doing it. It's hard to keep track on all, all the fake ones. Obviously, a guy like Tyler Hundley making it. That was a joke. But I think Derek Carr has four Pro Bowls. And it, he only should have two. So, at the end of his career, let's say he makes one with the Saints. He'll be like, I was a five-time Pro Bowler. It's like, well, no, you're probably two. <laughs> only one guy makes it at all pro. It, it can be a little more complicated. I, I don't hate it with the Pro Bowl if you say the right player. Like Jason Kelsey is a five or six time Pro Bowler or Lane Johnson. Like those guys are real Pro Bowlers. As a Broncos fan since 97, what should I expect out of my team this season with a bad offensive line? Secondly, how long should it take the Broncos to turn around under Sean Payton? Uh, Show recommendations, winning time and Swamp Kings. I think a lot of people have talked shit about Swamp Kings and I get it. Right? All the stuff that happened with the players uh, from Rainey telling the girl time to die to Aaron Hernandez murdering people and them just skipping right over it all. Uh, I I get it. I I really do. But just from a football entertainment standpoint, I watched it last weekend. There wasn't much on TV. It was 120 degrees here. It wasn't anything to do. I didn't hate it. And I I think Urban's a scumbag. Like I'm not an Urban Meyer guy at all. But just the lifting element, how they were doing these midnight lifts on Friday and Saturday, and some of the football stuff, I found it entertaining, but I also knew what I was getting. It's narrated by Tebow and Urban. So they're not going to talk about, you know, Aaron Hernandez murder count at four. They're not going to talk about all these guys getting arrested left and right. So if you know that going in... And you just want to watch it like hard knock style for the football. Not bad. Like hard knocks. I'm as big of a hard knocks hater as anybody. This year hasn't been that bad. And part of it is just a lot of Robert Sala, a lot of Aaron Rodgers. I'm in. I think you guys are going to be pretty bad. I, I, if I had to make a like my uh, expected win loss total, I'd probably go 6-11. and 11. I think you guys are going to be pretty bad. Especially like, and I'm just betting on Russell probably not being good. If he's not good, you clearly you know, are in trouble. Hey, John, big fan. We'll end on this. Wanted to know what your thoughts are on Sam Howell. Look good in the preseason. Feels like Eric Bieniemy are going to cook something up this year. I think it's one of the more fascinating teams because the coach clearly has to win and win pretty big to keep his job. The division is a mother, right? I mean, they got three playoff teams from last year. You could argue the Cowboys, they got two of the best three teams in the conference. Uh, let me pull up the old commander schedule. I know they open up at Arizona. That's or they open up at home against Arizona. Win at the Broncos could be a win. Then they get the Bills, Eagles. Tough little stretch. Bears, Falcons, Giants. Early on, their schedule is kind of manageable. Brutal end to the schedule though. At Giants, Eagles, at Pats, at Seattle, Giants, at Cowboys, Dolphins. At Rams, easy game. But they finish at Jets, Niners, Cowboys. If they can win nine games, they had a pretty good season. And if they win nine games, I would imagine Sam Howell had a pretty good season. And maybe it's not out of the realm of possibility that they just fire Rivera and give Eric Bieniemy like a three-year deal and just have him be the head coach to you know, kind of start the Josh Harris era. It's pretty crazy when you look at the standings from last year. I mean, they had three teams make the playoffs. The Eagles cruised to 14 wins. I mean, that's the easiest 14-win season ever. Cowboys are really good, 12 wins. 
The Giants are going to be better this year. I mean, they went 9-7-1 last year. I bet at minimum they're winning 10 games. So how does Washington get to 10? Can you have three? Can you have all four teams at double-digit wins? I, I, I'm no mathematician, but it's probably impossible. That's not going to happen. But last year, I mean, they had two teams, nine and eight. So, or I meant like one had nine, the other had eight wins. They're going to be an interesting team to keep an eye on. McLaurin's already injured, though. The turf toe thing always scares me. It's, it never really goes away, it feels like. It's not like, oh, two-week turf toe, completely gone. It doesn't feel like a broken bone. Like, oh, he's good now. That would make me nervous because that guy's a stud. Appreciate everyone listening. Have a great Labor Day. Enjoy the weekend. And uh, we'll see you next week. Adios. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.